0: Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into our third hour this Wednesday, April 7th. It's a delight to welcome to the show someone I have known for many, many, many years, I think probably close to two decades, but haven't had the opportunity um, to have on the show uh, yet, And I am glad to do so now. His piece at American Greatness, What Would a Real K- Capitol Hill Riot Look Like? What Would a Real Capitol Hill Riot Look Like? is brilliant. The author is uh, Daniel Galanter. Dan is a writer and entrepreneur living in Connecticut. Dan, welcome to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Hi, Seth. Thank you for having me. You bet. I do this with every first-time guest. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, how you grew up, how you came to be doing what you're doing, and what it is you spend most of your time doing.
2: Uh, Well, I I grew up in Connecticut in an extremely uh, leftist area and uh, had a chance to encounter almost exclusively people uh, whose opinions were different from my own. Um, And I grew up uh, in a somewhat politically involved strain, but when I went to college, I I found that uh, other areas' culture was more interesting, and I, I turned away from politics almost completely. Um, and it wasn't really until this election that I came back to it um, and did some work on uh, on voter fraud and studying the, the 2020 elections. And that led me to the uh, column I now write for American Great.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Let me uh, get you to describe this column again. What would a real Capitol Hill riot look like? It, it's brilliant, as I said, by um, giving you your words at the end and then you take us through what you what you're saying here. You say it might be instructive for the left to take a quiet moment to imagine what January 6th would have looked like if it actually happened. That's very good writing and funny. But the left might want to take a quiet moment to imagine what January 6th would have looked like if it had actually happened. Take us through this, Dan.
2: Well, consider the the situation. We have all of these Americans who have come to Washington because they are really burned up. They sensed that uh, 2020 was actually a year of groundswell support uh, for a, a president who showed them that a president could actually care about them and look out for their interests and wasn't just another politician. And and many of us will have that sense, I think, talking around in our communities. Uh, I encountered many people who had never voted for any president but were supporting Trump for the first time. And so uh, we went to sleep and Trump was winning and we know what happened. And when we woke up. We were told that everything was was a mirage. Incidentally, I spent uh, time, actually the the months two months after the election working with the data team, um, looking into the uh, the questions of fraud in Pennsylvania and Georgia in mm. great detail. And I, mm. I'm convinced they're accurate. But in any event, so uh, we're we're all very angry. We show up in Washington D.C. Um, believing, and I believe correctly, that the the most powerful office in the land has been stolen, and that our votes, all of our America's votes have been thrown into the garbage can, and yet, in fact, uh, the situation in Washington, D.C., despite what they were calling a a riot, was overwhelmingly peaceful, and and even afterwards, the FBI, although they behaved very badly, couldn't even find that many people to arrest. Now, if what the left were saying was true, if it was an insurrection, a violent coup, um, imagine what would have happened if, if Trump had actually done what they accuse him of doing because the, the let, let me stop you right there let,
0: let me just underscore this point because it's not a small point actually the way the democrats and the left have ginned january 6th up into something it wasn't this is worth underlining uh law enforcement officers uh, former elected officials um former attorney general of this state wrote an op-ed column dan saying thousands of people stormed the capitol we have nothing that shows numbers like that, nothing, and it's important that we point that out. All of this is hyperbole, but go on.
2: Absolutely. And moreover, I think uh, the people who were there and and many more Americans who can imagine themselves there know that uh, that what they were doing there was nothing like a riot or an insurrection. Uh, I think that most of us realized that uh, if we had been there in that situation, we would have uh, perhaps looked for our congressman to tell him how extremely yeah. angry we were. <laughs> you might give him a piece of your mind. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. To yeah. give him a piece of our mind yeah. because because they were behaving in a cowardly and despicable way. Yeah. Uh, how and it never went beyond that. But imagine instead, instead of if Trump Trump said, "Let's walk to the Capitol and peacefully," and he made peaceful explicit. But imagine if instead, what all the law enforcement people and all the left and even a lot of people on the right these lifelong politicians are saying, imagine if Trump had said what, what they essentially accuse him of saying. Imagine if Trump had said, you know, they have stolen the election and we're not going to let them get away with it. So come to Washington, D.C. with your gun, your weapons, prepare to fight because because this should be a violent thing because like the left says, you know, no justice, no peace, and come to the Capitol and take, take it back for us. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what would have happened then? Because because i believe americans would have come. because they oh, of they course trust of course
0: yes of course
2: and 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 so what we were talking about wouldn't be you know a single protester shot um, and and really no one on the law enforcement side you know a couple people suffering from heart attacks there could have been uh, the touch point that that actually kicked off a legitimate civil war right and the the extraordinary thing is not only that trump didn't do this with everything at stake i mean tremendous Tremendous restraint, the restraint of a truly great man in my view. Uh, Not just that he didn't do that, but he continues not to do this because he still has this faithful following. He still has people who, who look upon him as a legitimately elected president of the United States, who hope that he will run again in a few years, who have confidence in him as they've never had confidence in any politician. And despite the fact that people who continue to be in these cozy powerful but not really i mean you know like lindsey graham is happy not being in power as long as he gets to rub shoulders at cocktail parties with the people who are uh he would rather do that than actually represent the people who who sent him to washington in the first place but um americans want to support trump and and they would still answer a call if he if he sent it out there but he loves america too much
0: and he did not issue that that call that's right he did not issue that call we know he didn't because of your hypothetical, which is brilliant, there were as a many as thought experiment. right. It's a it's good point. It's it's as many as one point five million Americans showed up to that rally. Cut it, cut it, cut it. Any number. Let's just say it was a hundred thousand, for that matter, just to be um, just, just just to play devil's advocate. Um, imagine what a hundred thousand, never mind a million and a half, antifa would have done to the Capitol had their president said, "Come and riot." Yeah, it's a great point. Absolutely, it's a great the, point. Uh,
2: the left knows that uh, Trump supporters, uh, conservatives in general, are uh, are easy to pick on in this way because we have an inherent deep respect for law and order, and that's what makes what's going on so particularly depressing. When we see the FBI, for example, abusing its power um, to completely neglecting to pursue the actual criminal rioters who who set things on fire, who who destroy property, and who even murder people neglecting those cases completely, and instead going after people who really were peaceful protesters, mm-hmm. uh, as, the, as the media described, the Portland riots, and putting them in prison and, and subjecting them to horrible conditions and, and destroying their livelihoods for something that we see as a purely political prosecution. It, it really deeply grieves us, many of us, and yet because we have such a great respect for law and order and for the institutions of the United States, the left knows that they can get away with this, and they continue to get away with it.
0: You start off the column with a, um, with a great, great, uh, great story about Christopher. I, I think I am saying his name right. I hope I am. You can correct me if you know differently. One Christopher C- C- Kane. I guess he would pronounce his name Kane, but in any event, he's a Missouri man who appears on security footage doing really dangerous stuff, like staying inside the velvet ropes and picking up garbage less, left by others. He's a retired Marine, he's got a purple heart, and the FBI charged him with carrying a deadly weapon, though he had none, and the media reported that he was a member of the Proud Boys, though he was not. He was held in solitary confinement for 23 hours a day without bail, is being held in solitary confinement, 23 hours a day without bail. This is Soviet Stalinism, Dan.
2: I'm afraid it is. It's certainly the beginnings of it. And uh, I I knew many people in the FBI growing up, had tremendous respect for them. Yep. Um, And this election has been um, such a shock to so many of us, I think, not because of what the left did, because they did what we expected them to do, but because of how the right behaved, how our senators and congressmen and state-level GOP people behaved uh, in such a, a treacherous and cowardly manner to stick up for the people who are actually trying to destroy America, um, because, it, it, yes, the left stole this election, but the, the, the right it gave it away to them. It mm-hmm. they, they could not possibly have happened without the complicity of Republicans at every level, simply because it would have been more difficult and more politically risky to stick up for what was right.
0: Incredible point, Dan. It's an incredibly good column, and I hope this will be uh, an incredibly first down payment of many more returns. I'd love to have you back. Uh, anytime you write or, s- or publish something, let, let us know if you think it would be of interest to our audience. would love to have you.
2: Thanks very much.
0: Also, I want to do a thing. I'm doing a thing on conservatism in the youth. I, yeah, I consider you youth. Is that fair? I hope you don't mean take that paternalistically. I don't mean it that way. It just means you're younger than me, uh, which you yeah, are. Not at all.
2: I think I'm still in that category. <laughs> how
0: old, How be- old? What's your age? I am 33. Yeah. I want to talk about what makes 30-somethings conservative. I'd love to have you back on that topic.
2: I would
3: love to talk about it.
0: All right, Dan Galerinter, thank you so much, and love to the family, please. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We were talking about the discussion – between Tucker Carlson and Asa Hutchinson last night on an Arkansas bill banning transgender surgeries and hormone replacement therapy or chemical castration, as some would call it, and how many hoops Mr. Hutchinson had to jump through uh, logically, how many fallacies he had to engage in illogically, to establish that what he did was actually conservative. Many of you have called to weigh in. The number is six zero two Let's start with Jeff in Phoenix. Hi, Jeff.
4: Hey, Seth. How's it going?
0: I'm fine, sir. How are you?
4: I'm great. I'm great. Hey, one word, uh, Asa, Asa Hutchinson, okay, Rhino, First, uh, start off with. Then we can talk about, I'm sure that he never said anything about this uh, overreach of government when COVID rules were in effect. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he was touting and preaching that government was way overreaching, all that stuff. You know, if I was a boy in in Arkansas, I would say I need steroids because I believe I'm a a huge beast Mm -hmm. and I need steroids. Mm -hmm. So if you think you're a girl or boy, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. Take the medicine. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. These people have been influenced by someone, probably big pharma lobbyist, somebody in his sphere of influence has interjected into him, and now he believes what he believes. Instead of coming out and saying, oh, okay, let's debate this issue in front of the public, let's get some scientists on both sides, and let's, let's show the whole thing out in the front of the public. No. He says, well,
0: I've looked at studies.
4: Well, which ones? Let's show them, Show me them. But he can't do that, obviously. I mean, it's a joke. These it, people are a freaking joke.
0: It, 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 they thank you very much, uh, Jeff. I appreciate it. It's an odd that th- it raises yet a yet yet another question. That um, that 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 is this: Why does Asa Hutchinson think he needs or should go on interview shows, trying to convince people this is a conservative position, unless he is? A liar or an idiot because I don't, I don't, you can't credibly think that there is a conservative position here to justify. You can't say, I want the government out of the patient doctor relationship, but then say, if this were merely a chemical castration bill, I would have signed it. You can't say, I want the government out of the patient-doctor relationship while being a governor of a state that administers and disperses and manages and regulates Medicare and Medicaid funds. You can't say, I want the government out of the doctor-patient relationship when you then tell a conservative audience, but I have signed pro-life legislation. You can't do it if words are to have any meaning whatsoever. Why would he do that? Why would he think it was necessary to make such a fool of either the notion of conservatism or himself? Uh 6025080960. Doug, I put you on hold because I wanted to play the whole thing and then get any additional feedback you had.
3: Well, I think this leads to something that would really excite me for future conversations is what is really conservatism because first of all um, he has a totally mixed argument and I believe it's more the establishment uh, gutlessness because as I said yesterday and I've been saying for a year my big fear is the right in that there is nothing to fear on the right if uh, if you're a Republican you fear the woke left because they're bloody serious about their principles. The right is, well, we don't want to get anybody upset. And I quote Margaret Thatcher, if you don't have enemies, you've fought for no principle. But w- with conservatism, there's a confusion in it with uh, people, Republicans, who call themselves conservatives. Uh, conservatism, uh, in that the Founding Fathers did not view liberty by itself, raw libertarian liberty as the goal. Liberty and freedom was a tool to be used wisely in, in, in that it provided the best environment so that we could lead a moral life and live to the best life in a moral society for the life of man. It was not the goal by itself. But a tool. Let me quote John Adams in 1819, a few years before his death, seven years before his death. The definition of liberty is to be the power of doing whatever the law permits, meaning the civil laws. That, and it, you know, and his whole point was that it was our moral life that was supposed to guard that, and that's why they had no problem. With religion and expressing it very openly is because they view it liberty to function within a moral society. If you take a raw libertarian uh, point of view, we should not stop child uh, and you know an eight-year-old being enslaved by a company. We should you know all the hideous things that we are that our society through a moral discussion deemed immoral, Um, we have put a stop to that because our society has the right, through moral discussions, to define that and say it's wrong. Conservatives got to get over the fact that our moral life and our spiritual life should not be separated from our political life. It should guide our political life. Our founding fathers were very comfortable with that because they did not view raw libertarian liberty to be the end. Otherwise, let drugs and prostitution and every self-destructing and murder, everything is on the books and let her go.
0: Thank you, Doug. That's very well said. That's very well said. Uh, uh, There's always a temptation for anthropologists to love their own tribe in politics For some libertarians to say the Republican Party was always a libertarian party. For Americans of some kind of conservative bent or another who are libertarian to say that the founders were libertarian. Um, The Republican Party itself, start there, was not founded on the notion of libertarianism or unrestrained individual liberty for that matter. Um, And neither was the country. Um, Let me say a word about that before I take more of your calls when we come back and we will be right back if you would like to weigh in 6025080960 we'll be right back welcome back to the Seth Leibson show 6025080960 using the debate uh, over um sexual reassignment surgery for adolescents, there's always a temptation for libertarian republicans to say the Republican Party was based on libertarianism and there's a temptation for libertarian conservatives to say the founders were libertarians. Um, the Republican Party was not founded on the idea of unrestrained individual liberty or libertarianism. It was it, it was not any more than our country was not. Um, The very first Republican Party platform of 1856 showed the party as a party of actual values. Contrary to what many in the mainstream media like to say about us, we actually stood for family values from our very beginning. Our 1856 platform, for example, said... That we stood in favor of, quote, prohibiting those twin relics of barbarism, polygamy and slavery, close quote. Right there at our beginning was the notion of family values. It could well be argued that uh, in an environment of consent, polygamy, too, was government telling people what to do, or at least opposition to polygamy was the government telling people what to do. Uh, it's a harder case to make about slavery since there was no consent to that relic of barbarism. But one can well understand how few things disrupted family structures more than slavery, if you think about it, uh, in so many ways. Children ripped from parents, parents ripped from each other, cousins, you name it. So let us dispense with the idea that the Republican Party was always and ever a libertarian party. It simply was not. It was a party of limited government to be sure, but not no government and not no individual or family strictures or restrictions. And I'll just say one thing about the founders. Um, The whole purpose of civil and republican government was not, as the Constitution says, only to promote the general welfare but also to make quote laws most wholesome and necessary for the public good <clears throat> excuse me, close quote. As was first as was the first indictment against King George, who would not allow us to do so in the Declaration of Independence. Laws most wholesome and necessary for the public good. I could go on and on and on about how the understanding of the founders Was that we were engaging in an experiment of ordered liberty rather than just libertarianism and the freedom for anyone and everyone to do whatever they want before they strike another person's nose. So this notion of libertarianism simply is nothing more than that, but a notion. And I think when it gets beyond the contours of common sense, it leads to libertinism, which is, I think, what you have with Governor Hutchinson and Arkansas. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob.
1: Oh, hi, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. I um, um, I was listening with interest uh, the Asa Hutchinson Hunter. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, interview, and and I realized that, uh, and I had to do some research. I think he probably has been in politics for way too long. Um, and again, I remember when he
0: was a Clinton impeachment manager. Well, yeah. That was um, I'm thinking, 98, 99. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, I'm, I'm thinking, well, that may be an indicator that he may have been here too long. But I, I think he's missing uh, some key points. And I think you mentioned straw man. And I always confuse straw man, red herring, and uh, gaslighting. So, Whatever he was saying was, was wrong and kind of deluded. Um, the, fortunately, the uh, Arkansas legislature overrode his veto. Um, and I think there's a good reason for that. I think he missed the key point that, you know, on the Republican side and the conservative side especially, um, we're in favor of the sanctity of human life.
0: Hold that thought, Rob. Yeah. Hold, Rob, this okay. is this is too 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 important for us to uh, interrupt. Hold that thought. Let me have you pick up on it on the side of this other side of this break. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. If you're thinking about going solar, there's no better time. Th- Do so then now and with my friend Solar Sandy, who brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. She also actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill, smart and integrity. It's so important when going solar, you do it the right way, and Solar Sandy is the right way. She has the formula. She wants to put more of your hard-earned money back into your pocket. When you go solar, Solar Sandy will pay 12 months of your solar payments, any portion of your power bill for the first 12 months. And because it's March Madness, Solar Sandy's promotion for the first 50 families is that they will receive a $1,000 signing bonus. That's right, no solar panel payment, no power bill for 12 months and a $1,000 bonus at signing. There's no better time to go solar with Solar Sandy than right now. Go to asksolarsandy.com. Again, that's AskSolarSandy.com, and tell her I sent you. Rob, in surprise. Rob, uh, thank you. We were talking about uh, conservatism and libertarianism, and um, you were about to say, sir.
1: Well, Asa Hutchinson had referred to Bill Buckley, uh, Ronald Reagan, the principles of the party, a limited government, and um, he was using that as I'm sorry, Seth. Is it a straw man, a red herring, and or uh, a gaslighting? I'm not sure which one it is. Yeah. And, uh, and and you know, he, he used this. And, again, um, I was looking at his background. And, of course, he's been in politics for, God, what, 30 years yeah. or so? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, and he brought up I'm a person of faith and everything. And I, I keep thinking to myself, um, and in fact, there was a Washington Post article by Aaron Blake that talked about all this. And of course, you know, they twisted it to make uh, Republicans and conservatives look bad because, uh, well, he was trying to, uh, Aaron Blake was trying to make uh, Asa Hutchison look bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I think the biggest problem has to do with um, the truth. And and I think um, what, what happens here is, Again, people forget what's what's the central point here. Um, We have young people who may be uh, confused about their gender identity, but isn't the function? Well, parents obviously need to be uh, involved with this. you know he talked about with tucker um and i think that's the biggest problem is that you know there's conservatives who label themselves conservative but maybe they're really not because they leave the human element out of the decision to uh decide whatever they decide even at the gubernatorial level and i think that's what needs to be changed because i don't think he's Working on principle, I think he's just thrown a bunch of stuff, like spaghetti against the wall, and doesn't want to uh, admit, like, well, okay, limited government.
0: I, I think the guy spaghetti guy. on the wall thing is better than red herring, frankly, or <laughs> or, uh, or straw men. I think that's exactly what it was, Rob. Were you not well, also troubled by this argument, another, another piece of linguine? Um, he says hutchinson does these are yeah. difficult decisions do you want to listen no, to the medical not. profession he says do you want that's to listen right. to the medical profession do you want to listen to professional counselors do you want to listen to parents or do you want to leave all these decisions to the legislators that come from all different kinds of backgrounds
1: well and that's the point Seth. i don't think, let's invest
0: in experts all over again on this life-changing exactly. policy He's trying to pass And and off, which experts? Is. Which experts? Yeah, exactly. The, medica, the medical, the medical profession. Wrong about that. The medical profession. I know more doctors against yeah. this than for it. The medical mm-hmm. profession. What the heck is he talking about?
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly right, and and that's why I, I professional that-
0: counselors makes me cringe too. I have to tell you.
1: Well, no, I'm 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 with you on that stuff, and actually. One of the reasons why I was calling, and I think I sent you an email a couple days ago, had to do with why is the U.S. taxpayer sending $95 million to the Palestinian Authority, but um, nobody's talking about it? You know, that's a separate issue, I guess. No, it's not really.
0: It's not really. It's all civilizational abuse, Rob. That's what we're talking Mm -hmm. about, civilizational abuse. What do the terrorist camps in... The West Bank and Gaza do with those kids when they're run by Hamas. My gosh, they have four-year-olds and five-year-olds and six-year-olds dressed up yeah. in pseudo uh, uh, pseudo bomb jackets and bomb suits, uh, suicide bomb uh, material. Oh, yeah. It's civilizational yeah. abuse. It's uh, you, well, yeah. you, and, you. You talk and, to and any, and, and there aren't that many, but there are a handful out there. You talk to yeah. any ex uh, or former terrorist about the upbringing they had. And it is, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's the, none of them are, none of them, to put it no higher, none of them are envious or, 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 or recommended, but moreover, you talk about a reason for the government to get involved between parenting and children, that would be another case well, of it.
1: Well, yeah, and if you read into who the uh, State Department uh, rep is for the uh, Palestinian side, and the... Uh, Biden administration.
0: They stop naming parks and benches and streets after terrorists, I'll start thinking maybe it's okay for us to send them some aid, but after and only after everyone in America can stand up and say yeah, I don't need that seventy five million. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. I could almost feel on the verge of a lot of the callers today uh, in that discussion about the Hutchinson-Carlson debate that you were about to invoke. I bet Doug was an inch from invoking an old quote from John Adams that our Constitution was made only for moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate for anyone else. It's a great quote and – one of the things about these great quotes I like to do is sometimes, you know, if if I didn't know them from before, go back and find the original full context. Often it's as good or better than just that excerpt itself. Think about it. When you go and try and find an excerpt of something and you rely on a new story or a news source of some kind, don't they usually miss the best part? I know Bill and I go through that. So here it is. From John Adams, 1798, should the people of America once become capable of the deep simulation towards one another and towards foreign nations, which assumes the language of justice and moderation while it practices iniquity and extravagance and displays in the most captivating manner the charming pictures of candor, frankness and sincerity while it is rioting in plunder and insolence? This country will be the most miserable habitation in the world because we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, and revenge or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other i'd say that's better than just the one excerpt until tomorrow thanks i'm seth leaps god bless and class dismissed